Well, I'm excited to get to be with you today. And uh, while your eyes were closed, the podium appeared. Did you like how that happened? That's pretty cool. That's pretty cool. They're, they're good. We got, a, we got a good team around here. I just want to honor all of our volunteers, all of our grow teams that make the services possible. They're doing an incredible job. If you're part of a, of a grow team today, I just want to celebrate you whether you serve with our children or you greet at the door or you're part of our usher team. So many places to serve and be connected here at Victory Life. And I love to see family coming together to make possible what we do week to week. Well, Pastor Duane is away, and uh, when he's away, uh, the duty of this has fallen to me for today. Uh, so I'm, yeah, good. I'm glad. I was, uh, I, I got to be transparent. I was a little nervous that when you found out it was me, you wouldn't come. Um, so I'm glad that you, that, that you showed up, and thank you for the awes. There's a lot of sensitive people here in the middle of the room. That, uh, that, that I'm just pulling on some heartstrings right now. So that's great. I won't do that too much, but um, I've, got some, I've got some things that have been stirring in my heart to share with you. And uh, especially today, with it being Pentecost Sunday, I think there's no better time than to talk to you about what the Lord's been depositing in my heart and what I've been praying through this past week. And before, before we get to that, though, I want to take some time and I want us to pray together corporately. There's, there's a power whenever the people of God come together and pray. And we see it time and time again in the Scripture. The Scriptures tell us that if one will put a 1,000 to flight and two will put 10,000 to flight, we've got more than two in the room today. We can do a lot of damage. And the Apostle Paul tells us that the weapon of, weapons of our warfare are not carnal. Our fight's not against flesh and blood as much as the culture wants to tell us that it is. It's not. The weapons of our warfare are mighty in God, and they're, they're spiritual. They're for the pulling down of strongholds. They're for battling principalities that are controlling dark times and dark situations in the world around us. And there's two things that I want us to pray over today. And I know that uh, we're in the middle of some uh, social distancing and things that are going on in the world, so... I'm going to ask you only to do this at the level that you feel peace and comfort. Um, but I am going to ask us to, even if it's just with the people we're sitting next to, to just join together in prayer with somebody as I, as I lead us. And there's two things that I want to pray for. The first is, uh, last week the New York Times released an article uh, saying that our neighboring town here, that we have a campus that we just uh, sowed, uh, our our uh, Pastor Austin here into to go help and be a part of the pastoral team, uh, our Sherman campus. The New York Times released uh, an article last week that Sherman and Denison is being uh, classified as very close to the top of the list of where they're expecting the virus to get the worst in this second phase. And uh, I just want to tell you this, that um, that sounds like a prophetic statement to me. And, uh, and as far as I know, the people of God have exclusively been given the power to prophesy. <clears throat> so I want to speak over the city of Sherman and Denison. And I want to cancel the attack of the enemy. And where, and where the media is prophesying that there will be a surge of virus, I'm going to say that there's going to be a surge of the Spirit of God. And you say, well, why, why are you going to pray that? Well, I'll tell you why I'm going to pray that. It's because I've seen God raise the dead. 
say, well, why are you going to pray that? It's because I've seen God put kidneys back in people that didn't have kidneys. He said, well, why are you going to pray that? Well, it's because I've seen God open eyes that couldn't see. He said, well, why are you going to pray that? I've seen God open ears that couldn't hear. Why are you going to pray that? I've seen people bound by demons. Not, not, not with somebody else's eyes, with these eyes. I've seen people bound by demons, set free. So why are you going to pray that way? Because I've seen marriages that are on the brink of collapse, thrown in the towel. The Spirit of God flood their home, and not only are they reunited, but they're thriving. So why are you going to pray that way? I've seen children born with congenital heart defects go back to the cardiologist and everything that was wrong totally repaired. They say, why, why, why are you going to pray that way? Because there's a lot of times that we haven't seen it. I know there's a lot of times that we haven't seen it. But as long as I've seen it once, I believe it can happen again. They say, you really believe that at Victory Life Church? With all my heart and I'll die for it. That's what I believe. That we serve the God of the impossible. That we serve a Jesus that wasn't afraid to touch lepers. That we serve a Jesus that everywhere he went, he went about doing good and curing all that were sick and oppressed of the devil. And I believe that in the strong and powerful name of Jesus, that we can stop through prayer a surge of a virus that's being falsely prophesied in one of our neighboring cities. That's what I believe. And there's a few of you that believe that too, so we're going to pray. And the second thing we're going to pray for before we start the, the preaching, I've kind of already started the preaching, but what we're going to pray for is we're going to pray for our major cities that are experiencing major unrest and upheaval. And we're going to pray for a spirit of unity and a spirit of peace to win the day. So wherever you're at, if you want to stand, if you want to kneel, if you want to turn around, I, I don't care. You do whatever you feel led. But we're going to take a couple minutes and we're going to pray. And I would encourage you to find somebody that'll, that'll join with you. All right. And if the person doesn't want to join with you, that's okay. Um, but just at least ask, all right? Okay. You guys aren't moving. You're making me nervous. You're not going to be rebellious today, are you? Just do what I say and turn around and find somebody to pray with. Father, in the name of Jesus, we join together with what I know is happening this morning at our Sherman campus, and that's a time of prayer and Father, as a people of faith that are convinced that the name of Jesus is above every name, coronavirus currently has been given a crown of authority in our culture, but we know the one that's crowned with every crown, Amen. and his name is Jesus. And Father, we say to a prophetic word that's coming about Sherman and Denison being a number one spot of a surge of a virus we say a confident no in Jesus' name. That the wind of your Holy Spirit, Father, would move in that place. Father, we thank you, Lord, that there would be such a shift in predictions Amen. that people would want to come and study what's working, not what's not working. Right. And Father, we thank you that in the midst of turbulent times that God's people are fixed and confident on the fact that Jesus is not in turbulent times. The kingdom of heaven is not in turbulent times. Amen. That the God of heaven sits confidently upon his throne and he's ruling and he's reigning. And as his people, we come under that authority 
and we say health over the Sherman and the Denison area. We say peace over that area. We thank you, Father, that the rates in those cities are still continuing to be high of people recovering from the virus. We thank you for strength for our healthcare workers during this time. We thank you for calming any anxiety or concern in their hearts. We thank you that you would anoint their hands for healing. That salt and light believers that you've placed to work in our hospitals, God, they're rising up all over this nation. They're calling out to you in prayer and they're laying hands on the sick and I believe that they are recovering. And no matter what any governor or no matter what any politician, no matter what any news outlet wants to say about us in our own strength flattening the curve, the power of prayer has flattened the curve of this virus. We have not done it on our own. The predictions are not as bad as they said because people prayed. And we won't change our mind on that subject, God. People prayed. We practiced wisdom, but we prayed. And prayer is the chief thing in this hour. And Father, we reach out and we speak a word of peace and unity over Minneapolis, God. We reach out and we speak a word of peace and unity over Dallas, Lord. Father, over Los Angeles, over New York City, Father, over Detroit, Father, over Denver, over every major city that's experiencing massive upheaval, over San Jose, Father, we speak unity and peace. That unity would overcome estrangement, that love would heal hate, that joy would conquer despair. And Father, that people would have a transformation in their heart that's only brought through the saving power of the Lord Jesus Christ. As a church this morning, we say, let it be done in your strong and powerful name. And everybody said, Amen. amen. Thanks for praying with me this morning. I appreciate that. I appreciate that. When the world is full of masks, When the cry from the streets is, I can't breathe. When the condition of our cities is dire, I submit to you today that that's when it's time for fresh wind and fresh fire. There's a fire at work in our world today fire of the evil one and it comes to divide and destroy by means of hate and by means of fear but there's another fire at work in our world today it's the fire of the holy one and the fire of the holy one also comes believe it or not to divide and to destroy But the holy fire divides us from the way of the world. It divides us from the way of fear and hate. And it destroys the work of darkness around us through the power of love. It unites us to God and to each other on the basis of the superior reality of heaven. Not the reality that we see here on this earth. That's why Jesus prayed and he said in teaching his disciples to pray asking the Father to let his kingdom come and his will be done on earth as it is in heaven. You see, family, there's really 
two ways for mankind to try to arrive at this heavenly reality. There's two ways for mankind to try to arrive at this righteousness or for things to be right in the earth. The Lord's Prayer, let your kingdom come and your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. See, the model that every human heart knows whether they want to admit it or not is that things are supposed to be better down here than they currently are. That things that happen that are rooted in death and violence and fear and hate are not supposed to be happening. There's injustice in the world today. Hate in the world today. Division in the world today. Fear in the world today. And man has tried in various times and in various ways to try to unite together through a human concept. Everybody say human. A human concept of what's lovely, what's just, what's right, what's fair, what's heavenly. But in truth, whenever we unite under a human concept, a solely human concept of what's right, what's just, what's heavenly, the book of James tells us in chapter 3, verse 15, that that human understanding is really just the operation of an inferior wisdom. A wisdom, the book of James says in chapter 3, verse 15, that's earthly, unspiritual, demonic, dark. When we try to unite ourselves under this self-centered understanding of the world and what's right and what's wrong, independent of God, what we're actually doing is we're making our estimate of what's right and wrong the sum total of that estimate determined by you and you alone, nobody else. And in Genesis chapter 11, verses 1 through 9, we have the one of the first pictures of what it looks like for man to try to fix things on their own, to try to see heaven come to earth on their own terms. And what I mean by that is trying to see the justice, the equity, the love, the peace, the rightness of heaven come to the earth independent of God. In Genesis chapter 3, sorry, Genesis chapter 11, verses 1 through 9, we get a portrait of something that you know, hopefully from Sunday school, if you were in Sunday school as a kid, as the Tower of Babel. Here we have humans in an evil condition, trying to construct something based out of their own human effort, their own human understanding, their own human will. They try to conduct some, con- construct something to reach into heaven. But how many of you know that if you build something, a tower that will reach into heaven, traffic goes both ways? The heart behind this, in my mind, is not just to build something so that we can reach divinity, but it's also something that we can build so that divinity can reach us. That we can export what's wrong in the world and receive an import of what's right. Amen. But we're going to do this based upon our own reasoning, based upon our definition of justice based upon our definition of what love is, based upon our definition of what right and wrong is. The first place that this happened was in the garden. 
How many of you know that it was God's good pleasure to create a garden in the beginning named Eden? And the word Eden means delight. No matter what religion and the devil try to convince you, you are actually designed for delight. You're designed for holy contentment and satisfaction in a place of union with God. A delightful place of Eden. And the Lord said, you can eat of any tree in this garden. You are free beyond even your knowledge of freedom to eat anything in this garden that you want to eat from. Just don't eat from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. And the Lord told mankind not to eat, not to reach higher than itself into the tree of the knowledge of good and evil because good and evil was not something that was able to be understood independent of God. Reaching out of our own free will, trying to seize autonomy for ourselves, trying to be the one that decides good from evil. You understand that in the beginning we were all made in the image of God, but we're none of us were God. God ultimately is the only one that's just and fair and equitable and good. Have you figured out by now that human beings are not just, fair, equitable, or good on their own? But the sin of the fall, the sin of Adam and Eve was to reach out and try to assume out of a prideful response that they could know good and evil for themselves. And God just wanted them to stay connected to life in him. Because connected to life in God, good and evil take care of themselves. But when we exchange relationship with God and being dependent on God, thinking that we can reach out for ourselves and see justice come into the world, we think that we can take it into our own hands to see the righteousness of heaven done in the earth. That's whenever we find out that we've been listening to a snake all along. Are you following me this morning? I've got things to say to you today, but they're going to be spiritual. They're going to take you opening up your spiritual ear. They're going to take you listening to the words of the Holy Spirit to see bodies of truth released into your heart. There's a lot of things going on in the world right now that are the byproduct of what I'm saying this morning, but it's going to take you having understanding to understand it. Genesis chapter 11 paints for us the Tower of Babel. Human beings coming together in unity, independent of God, to reach in to heaven's righteousness, to see it come into the earth. And the Lord saw that they were so united that anything that they accomplished would be done. But knowing that, again, we have another issue like in the garden of reaching out for good and evil on our own terms, reaching into heaven's righteousness by our own strength, our own power, our own ability, the Lord confused their languages and they weren't able to communicate. To spare the world of evil. You say, how is reaching into heaven evil? It's evil when you think that you can do it on your own strength. It's a perversion, it's a twist. How is seeking justice in the earth evil whenever you think that you are judge and jury? How is seeking peace in the earth evil whenever you think that you're the prince of peace? God confused their languages so that they wouldn't have the ability to create this monstrosity in the earth. Fast forward several thousand years. 
In Acts chapter 2, Pentecost. Today's Pentecost Sunday. Fast forward several thousand years, and you find in an upper room in Jerusalem a group of people, a fairly large group of people. All surrendered to the tree of life whose name is Jesus. See, the, the Bible is symbolic. There's things in the Old Testament that are representations of what's fulfilled in the New Testament. You eat from the tree of life and you stay in communion with God. And Jesus said, unless you eat my flesh and drink my blood, you have no part of me. Jesus is the tree of life. Dying on a tree of death so that you and I could experience life. There, a group of people in an upper room on the day of Pentecost surrendered to the tree of life, who's Jesus. No longer reaching for their own way of seeing what's right coming to the world, but waiting for what God had to say before they acted. Jesus said, Before you go out and fulfill the commission that I've given you, which is to make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. You must wait. Why? Because it's human beings' nature not to wait. It's human beings' nature to get the marching orders and to run, to see what's right. I already know what's right. I see it, and I will see it done in the world. I know what justice is because I've been oppressed. I know what oppression is because I've received justice. I know what God wants me to do in this situation. And without waiting for the Lord, without humility, without a posture of surrender, we sang this morning, I surrender all. St. Francis is quoted as saying that a man is not free whenever he still holds on to the purse of his opinions. Jesus giving clear-cut commands. Go into all the world. Do this work. The next thing out of his mouth is, in Acts chapter 1, Wait in Jerusalem until you receive power from on high. Left to your own devices, children, you will try to build your own tower. You will try to reach out and grasp good and evil for yourself. Can I be honest with you this morning? Our world is full of building our own towers and reaching out for our definitions of good and evil all by ourselves. And the church today, the church that I'm called to communicate to, which is the church in America at present, needs to wait. Needs to open their ears. Needs to open their hearts. Needs to surrender their opinions and wait for the fresh wind and the fresh fire of heaven. Facebook is making it hard for some of you to wait because you know what's right and you know what's wrong. Careful and you might build a tower and end up being confused and creating chaos in the world of social media. Are you hearing me today? Jesus said, wait. And as they waited, in opposition to what Babel was, 
of man trying to create a tower to reach into heaven for themselves in that upper room that God had placed them in, heaven came to a group of people that decided to surrender all to Jesus, to wait, to be aware, to not be so quick to assume, but to wait and to believe for the promise of the Father. Acts 2, verses 1 through 4 says this. When the day of Pentecost had arrived, everybody say arrived. Arrived. It has arrived. Today's Pentecost Sunday. They were all together in one place. Why don't you do this? That we're all together in one place. Jan, is this close to all together in one place or not? Okay, show it. Stand up, Jan, real quick. Show us. Just show us really quick. What's all together in one place? Okay, everybody do this. Thank you, Jan. When the day of Pentecost will arrive, they're all together in one place. I feel like I'm cooking chili. And suddenly there came from... No, no, you don't believe it. And suddenly there came from... The world needs a word of justice in this hour. The world needs a word of hope in this hour. The world needs a word of faith in this hour, but it's got to be one from? Not from your political party. Not from how right you are. Do this. You need to practice this. I'm going to be edgier. The world needs a word of hope this hour. Amen. If I do this, I want you to say amen. The world needs a word of hope this hour. Amen. The world needs a faith, word of faith this hour. Amen. The world needs a word of justice this hour. Amen. Not from your race. From heaven. But I know I'm right. The world needs a word of faith this hour. The world needs a word of hope this hour. The world needs a word of healing this hour. Not from the New York Times. Not from crooked preachers trying to make money. I don't make enough money to be crooked. There's no way. You start giving more, maybe that'll change, amen? Not the crooked part, the money part. You knew what I was saying. When's Dwayne coming back? When the day of Pentecost had arrived, they were all together in one place. And suddenly there came from, we need a word from heaven. We need a word from heaven. Say, pastor, there's so much wrong in the world. I know there is. I've been messed up all week over it. Not really understanding why 
You just feel things. Anybody else feel things? I've got four young men, lives taken from them here in the city. It's not right. Can I be bold today? not right it's equally not right for the man that's responsible to have lived the life that he lived what kind of life is it that you turn to cover up that much hurt by your blood alcohol being three times over the legal limit what's going on inside of a person like that I hear, I, I hear, I'm having a Jesus moment. I, I perceive your thoughts. But he chose, I, I know. He didn't choose to be born. Didn't choose to grow up in what I can probably guarantee you was an abusive environment. It's all wrong. But see, a word from heaven looks like crying and sorrowing and travailing with the families that have lost so much to have a child taken incredible pain a word from heaven says that there's a father that you're connected to that knows what it's like to lose a son and a word from heaven also is through the man of Jesus that says pray for your enemies Bless those that persecute you. So how how do you even do that? How do you pray for someone that's committed such evil, such injustice? Well, you pray the way that you'd want someone to pray if it was you that did it. See, I'm carrying a word from heaven today. And it's a word from heaven. And this is how you know if it's a word from heaven. It's because both sides of the aisle want to crucify you. Because just when you start fitting in over here, This side wants to crucify you. And just when you start fitting in over here, this side wants to crucify you. There came a sound from? Like a mighty rushing wind. And it filled the entire house where they were sitting. And divided tongues as of fire appeared to them and rested on each one of them. And they were all filled, everybody say filled, filled. with the Holy Spirit and began to a word from heaven. Interesting thing is that the Tower of Babel, the languages are confused and the people can't understand each other. And the day of Pentecost, whenever heaven comes into a room, and fills, and they speak. They speak in other tongues. And the Bible says that there were many people in Jerusalem during this time because it was during one of the feasts, Persians and Medes and all these people. And each one of them heard praises and proclamations about God in their own language, in their native tongue. See, what happens when we reach out of our human understanding in our human effort to try to unite around justice and what's right and what's wrong, we all end up in chaos and confusion. 
But whenever the people of God wait and close their mouths and allow themselves to be filled with the Holy Spirit, they speak words that bring unity around praises to God. The best thing for everyone to do right now is shut up. Unless you've got something to say. Unless it sounds like heaven. Acts 2, 42 through 47. And they devoted themselves. What happened after this move of God? They devoted themselves. They became disciplined. They became focused. They became intentional about living a particular way. See, the church, especially in America, is filled with so much talk that people think that talking it and living it are the same thing. It's not. Talking Christian and living Christian are not the same thing. Talking Christian will keep the peace at your coffee hour. Living Christian will go about the very messy business, by the way, of making peace during coffee hour. Because when everybody wants to rally around their party or their opinion or their worldview or their mindset, but you say the things that Jesus has to say, not everybody at the coffee hour wants you to come back. We need heaven's mind. We need heaven's perspective. Only the God of heaven with nail-pierced hands and feet and an open side can heal the world. Try this. Preach the gospel, not your opinion. Preach the gospel, not your politics. Preach the gospel, not your tower. These people, after being filled with the Holy Spirit, they became intentional about living a particular way. And the way that they lived became a testimony to the world around them. Not the way they talked, but the way that they lived. This is how they lived. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and fellowship, breaking of bread and the prayers. And awe came upon every soul And many wonders and signs were being done through the apostles. And all who believed were together. The world needs more togetherness. The world needs more we, not us, not them. And all who believed were together and had all things in common. And they were selling their possessions and belongings and distributing the proceeds to all as any had need. And day by day, attending the temple together. Gold stars for everybody today. (laughs) And breaking bread in their homes. Some of us break more bread in our homes than others. They received their food with glad and generous hearts, praising God and having favor with all the people. And the Lord added to their number day by day those who were being saved. And they all lived happily ever after. Is that the way it goes? Two chapters later. 
Acts chapter 4, verses 31. Peter and John have started living this way. And as is the nature when you start living this way, not just talking this way, it causes some problems. They healed a man that was lame from birth. Religious people had a problem with it. No different today. They were brought in to be questioned. They were threatened. You will not preach in the name of Jesus. Because see, as soon as you start preaching in the name of Jesus, it takes away the authority from the tower builders. As soon as you start preaching in the name of Jesus, it takes authority away from the people that say, right and wrong is this. And the people with the power that have no power at all, they don't like to have that taken away. So what do they do? They call them in. They shake them up. They shake them down. They threaten them. If you keep talking this way, we're going to kill you. They run into some hard times. Anybody agree that 2020 has brought us some hard times? <laughs> I saw a, 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 a meme on social media. If you've, if you, this will only get it if you've watched the movie, the old one, not the new one. The old one was better, okay? But it said something about, you know, whoever started playing Jumanji at the beginning of 2020 can stop now. <laughs> it was a great. We went from, you know, a... a a fiery trial here at the local level with our pastor suffering some health issues and praise God, the Lord has raised him up. He's stronger than ever. And then coronavirus happened and then the economy took a hit and then the murder hornets came. And then... Great injustices happening in our major cities created more injustice in our major cities. And you look out and it looks like the world's on fire. Probably be a good idea for the church to be on fire too. Amen. When the fire of the culture is brighter than the fire of the Holy Spirit, we're in trouble. So, Pastor, which one's brighter, the one that's getting the attention? I'm tired of the enemy getting so much attention. They started living a particular way. I would encourage us all that if you haven't shifted from a place of convert to disciple, this is the time to do it. See, converts are just concerned about going to heaven. That's all they care about, eternal life insurance. What do I have to do to miss hell? Well, believe. The scripture's clear. If you believe, you'll be good. But unfortunately, what happens in our lackadaisical, overblessed culture within the American church is finding out we're good turns into I'm good. And we kind of just slough off when it comes to discipleship. See, converts are focused about going to heaven. Disciples are focused about bringing heaven to earth and taking as many as they can with them. If you're in a day and in a time where all you care about is you're for and you're no more, you're for and no more. If all you care about is your own personal afterlife and your own personal blessing, I've got news for you. The rest of your time here is going to be difficult. But I've also got news for you. It's going to be difficult anyway. So it might as well be difficult because you're actually taking it to the enemy. 
instead of just glad that God's giving you a place to hide out now and not have to go live with them. I said a lot there. Sorry. Thank you, Richard. I'm not going to be. I take back that apology. Peter and John started living it. The people started living it, not just talking about it. And as always, they faced opposition. And there's a beautiful thing that we need to see about this fresh wind and this fresh fire that the Lord wants to bring us is that it's available to you no matter your circumstances. There's a lot of change happening in the world. And people that are super resistant to change anyway, I find out who you are whenever I paint the foyer a different color. (laughs) People that are super resistant to change anyway, I won't use another example or I will hurt your feelings. (laughs) That one was safe. Wait till I actually give you what I actually hear. Not gonna say it, don't worry. Today's not that day. But the people that are super resistant to change, they can't, they can't handle it. But there's also something to learn about those that are resistant to change. Typically, those that are resistant to change have the best awareness of what's not supposed to change. And what's not supposed to change is the thing that didn't change for the disciples in this time either. Notice that even in the middle of threats, even in the middle of being warned under fear of punishment to not preach in the name of Jesus... In Acts chapter 4, verses 30, sorry, in Acts chapter 4, verse 31, Peter and John go back to their friends. Aren't you glad whenever you face hard times that you've got some friends you can go back to? And if you don't, I'm going to, at the end of this, talk about a way that you can have some friends that you can get back to. Peter and John encounter the Holy Spirit in a time of togetherness. That's like today. Could we agree? This is a time of togetherness. And then they went out and lived it with their friends. And it says that they met in their homes and they broke bread together. And they spent much time together in the home. And they spent much time together in the temple. And they faced some opposition. And the good thing was about not just being connected here, but also being connected at home, is that when they faced hard times, they had friends they could go to. And this is what happened. In Acts 4.31, they came together in somebody's house and they prayed. That's all they did? Yeah, that's all you have to do. They prayed. Their circumstances had changed. Some hardship had come their way. At the end of chapter 2, it sounds like happily ever after. By chapter 4, They're being threatened to be killed for following Jesus. How many of you know that's a big change? How many of you know 2019 to 2020 is a big change? I'll tell you what doesn't change. Fresh wind and fresh fire. Fresh wind and fresh fire. What do you mean it doesn't change? And they prayed. Verse 31. And the place in which they were gathered together was shaken. And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit. And continue to speak the word of God with boldness. Have you figured out that what's happening in the culture today is trying to get you to speak another word than heaven's word, than God's word? To live another way than bold, fearful, angry? 
we have to come together and we have to pray. We have to come together and we have to pray with friends. And the time is now to make the transition from just caring about your afterlife to caring about nations being discipled. The time has to shift from just worried about if you're getting into heaven and start being concerned about is heaven coming through you into the world around you. The time for being serious about discipleship has come because the world needs people that are filled with fresh wind and fresh fire and it takes people that don't just talk away but they live away. People that live away are followers of Jesus. People that live away are disciples of the Lord that are living out his teachings and his commands. And let me tell you this, it's made accessible to us by grace, but it doesn't come without effort. I told you in Acts 2, it said that they devoted themselves. What does that mean? They disciplined themselves. They became consistent and intentional about doing particular things. The world needs you to get consistent and intentional about doing particular things because of all of the change around you. There has to be people that are living consistently in the character of Christ, no matter the circumstance. There has to be people that are consistently delivering words from heaven, no matter the circumstance. And that takes an intentionality. That takes a partnering with the Holy Spirit to get heaven on the inside of you. But there's an intentionality now for that heaven to be released into the world around you. Say amen if you're following me. The world now more than ever needs people that are filled with fresh wind and fresh fire. And those are disciples of Jesus. People that are partnering with the Holy Spirit to see the transformative work of God's love being done in their hearts and in their lives. The way of the disciple is to partner with the Spirit of God so that your inner world is transformed so much that you start transforming the world around you. That's kind of what Jesus did, right? Did Jesus change things where he went? Did things get better or did they get worse? What should happen when you show up in a place? Should it get better or worse? Better. But it's going to take being filled with fresh wind and fresh fire. And it's going to take making a habit of being filled with fresh wind and fresh fire. Notice that the Holy Spirit was poured out in chapter 2. Tongues of fire. They spoke in tongues. But notice by Acts chapter 4, they needed a fresh refilling again, didn't they? They prayed and they were filled again. You know the beautiful thing about the Holy Spirit is? About the word from heaven? About connection with God, no matter what shifts or changes in the world around you, his presence and his power is accessible to you. But it takes people that have practiced a certain way of living that know how to access it. It takes being devoted to something. It takes intentionality, effort, and practice, which is why I leave you today with an opportunity. We're going into the summer here at the Durant campus. And I've got some more things to say, and I'm actually going to come back next week on Sunday, and I'm going to share them, if that's okay with you. I'm going to continue on this talk on fresh wind and fresh fire, and I want to talk to you specifically out of Romans 5 about the Holy Spirit releasing in you the love of God and what that means for you and what that means for the world. I'm going to talk about that next week. It's actually pretty crazy. God's doing something because I already wrote the message, which never happens if you know me. 
I'd never have today written. (laughs) I did that too. I want to invite you into something. How many of you feel like you would want to maybe go on an adventure of figuring out how to live with fresh wind and fresh fire? Well, then I want to invite you to something this summer. I've got some talk has reached my ears. The talk always reaches my ears, by the way. They say, well, they're changing up everything at the church. Well, it's because everything around us has changed. (laughs) Well, they're not going to have services on Wednesday during the summer. Actually, we are. It's just going to look different. And it's part of this intentionality about us going on a journey together of what it means not just to be a convert, but a disciple, what it means to actually follow Jesus, what it means to look at the pattern left for us in the book of Acts and to try something that we have not tried before. Say, well, they're just doing that because of COVID. Uh, That's not true. Um, I can't lie and tell you that we didn't think of this as a result of COVID, but we're not doing this because of COVID. If we were doing this because of COVID, we'd still be closed right now. There's a journey I want to invite you to. Today is our launch day for our summer life groups. We believe in groups here at the church because I believe in the Bible. Because Peter and John, when things got tough, they needed friends to be able to go back to and to pray to experience a fresh infilling of God's grace. They needed to gather together in the temple, but they also needed time at home. And I can tell you that discipleship is what happens whenever you walk out these doors today. It's how you live during the week. And there's a time, and I believe it's now, that we all need to be activated in what it means to make disciples. Not just to be one, but to make them. That's a call that's for everyone, not just for me. All believers have a responsibility to be making disciples, to teach other the ways of Jesus. Sometimes we're better at evangelizing for our political party than we are evangelizing for Jesus. You're not called to make disciples that are Democrat or Republican. You're called to make disciples of Jesus Christ. I said, but what about politics? You'll have the best politics you've ever had if you're actually a disciple of Jesus. That'll take care of itself. But I want to do something this summer that commissions all of us to play a part in what I believe God wants to do in our church right now. And that's us taking serious what it means to live with fresh wind and fresh fire. What it means to become intentional and habitual in living in such a way that we're in communion with God, we're discipling the people around us, and we're growing the church of the Lord Jesus. Not in width, but in depth. So for the summer, starting this next week, we're going to have monthly in-person meetings the first Wednesday of each month, June, July, and August. And those meetings are all about coming together to encounter the Holy Spirit and to be encountered by Him and through Him so that we can come together and experience what God wants to do. No timelines, no order of service, coming in to worship and to pray. And then our Sundays are going to be centered around what you can classify out of Acts, the Apostles' Doctrine, coming together to hear, hopefully, good teaching. Amen? Amen. And then the rest of our Wednesdays, we're going to focus on discipleship. We're going to focus on meeting in our homes. We're going to focus on you being commissioned to fulfill the work of making disciples.
we're going to have uh, digital content that I've planned out the whole three months and the conversations that we're going to have. It's going to be conversational. We're going to launch a series on our Wednesdays digitally called The Disciplines of a Disciple. And we're going to come together in our homes and we're going to have digital content set up for you to be able to start having discipleship conversations with the people that you need to be reaching out to. You know, we were able to get through everything that happened the past two months with COVID because of what we were able to provide digitally, but also because of our life groups. Because no matter what happens in our climate, the church still has to meet. The church still has to be the church. Groups are a way that no matter what, we can always make that happen. They're important today more than ever before. And I want to encourage you. There's people in the foyer when you leave that will be able to help you get connected to a group or even help you fill out the application to lead a group. And if you say, I've never thought about leading a group before. I don't know what I would lead it around. This is an easy way to start. Lead it around what's going to be happening digitally on Wednesdays. Invite people into your home. We're going to be having conversations around spiritual practices, spiritual disciplines, fasting, prayer, silence, solitude, the things that we need to be devoted to so that we can constantly be in access with fresh wind and fresh heaven, fresh wind and fresh fire. Are you following me? I want to invite you on a journey this summer. Join a group. Lead a group. Open up your heart. Open up your home. Come on a journey with us. Let's believe God for fresh wind and fresh fire as we navigate what the culture's throwing at us in this time. Once again, there'll be people outside that can help you. I want to see us spending much time together here, but I also want to see us spending much time together reaching out into our neighborhoods, reaching out around our dinner tables, helping others become disciples of Jesus. People ask me all the time, what do we do? We see so much injustice in the world. What do we do when we see police officers using this kind of authority, whenever we see inner cities erupting with this kind of behavior? What do we do when we see drunk driving? And what do we see when the youth are dying? What do we see when all this, what do we do? What do we do? What do we do? Let me tell you, make disciples. What do we do? We make disciples. Why? Because the world changes one person at a time. And people change, church, not just because they're invited into a service. People change when they're invited into a service and they experience the presence of God. But real life change happens whenever you invite that person to your dinner table. And you mother them and you father them. When you become a brother or a sister. When you walk out life with them. This summer, that's what we're going to experiment with. I don't know about you, but I feel like we'll have good result. You say, well, why do you really want to change this up? Because I believe that the world needs changing. Why are you changing up the service structure? Because I believe things need to change. And I believe that this church is called to be the change in this city. I believe that the people in this are called to be the change in their city. And I believe that we can do that, following a model that's been left to us scripturally and believing for fresh wind and fresh fire. I mean, if you believe any of that, why don't you stand up? If you don't believe, you can stay seated. Ushers will come and escort you out. I'm just kidding. If you can't stand, sit. Ministry teams, if you want to come, put your hand on your heart if you need fresh wind and fresh fire today. 
Put your hand on your heart if you're ready to experiment with me and go on a journey this summer of what church camp might mean and what we might be able to do by being intentional about making the transitions from just being converted to being a disciple and making disciples. Put a hand on your heart if you're ready to go into the summer with some intentionality, being devoted to some spiritual practices so that you can be a part of the cure and not the problem. Put a hand on your heart if you need to do this this summer. If you don't know who you are, I've been reviewing a lot of your social media. I will let you know in an email (laughs) if you need to do this. Let me pastor you. Give me your Facebook credentials. Father, Lord, we need fresh wind and fresh fire. Fill us, Lord, we pray with your Holy Spirit, fresh and anew, that we might be a voice in the wilderness, that we might speak words of peace, not division. Equip us, Lord. I pray that you'd sanctify this journey we're going on this summer of being intentional about getting into groups so that we can see our neighborhoods change. We can see our lives change. We can be focused on an inner work that you want to do in us so that you can work in the culture around us. Heal our cities, Lord. Where there's injustice, we trust you to bring justice. Be near to us, Father, in this time. Give us the courage of our convictions to be people that walked boldly and unashamed releasing the word of heaven, the word of God, everywhere that we go. Tabernacle with us, Lord. Meet with us where we are. You say you make your servants winds and your ministers flames of fire. We're ready for that in this hour. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Why don't you give praise to God?